This is Story and Rain Talks, the Story and Rain podcast. I'm Tamara, founder and editor in chief. After over 20 years in the fashion and magazine industries, I launched StoryandRain.com, a digital fashion, beauty, and lifestyle publication where we're bridging the gap between reading a magazine and shopping its pages. On this podcast, you'll discover the emerging trends and tastemakers that matter right now. As a catalyst for creativity and through candid conversations with our community of cultural arbiters, we're your resource for discovering today's most interesting people, projects, and products. And we'll explore the origins for game-changing ideas and careers. With our high-low approach to style and the belief that there's magic in the mix, we're going to inspire you to live your most stylish life. Rita Hazan is a leading force in hair color who launched her career only after six years working directly under legendary hairstylist Oribe. This is simply miraculous. Why? She identified hair as the career she'd wanted, and like many of us who made our way into fashion, beauty, media, and entertainment, she spent her early years pouring through and studying magazines. It was then that Rita pinpointed Oribe as someone she wanted to work for. She nailed her interview there, and the course of her life was changed. A native New Yorker, Rita has since become known for her direct, honest, and no-nonsense nature. And I imagine a very similar Rita at the time she got her start, fearless about facing her dream job and employer and impressing with her confidence. Building her brand with both stability and forward-moving momentum, Rita's gone on to create a thriving New York City salon, build a roster of celebrity clients, and a brand of revolutionary products ultimately responsible for creating a brand new hair care category with her root treatment items, Rita often found her achievement being copied. What sets her apart is her attention to hair health, her brand credo to always treat celebrities and others alike, and her ability to transform brunettes into blondes Mm -hmm. who appear to be born that way. On this podcast, we talk about how she honed that ability because of the hours and hours she was asked to spend color treating extensions during her early years working all over the globe with celebrities, embracing her role as a traveling colorist, what she's learned as a boss, how she recognizes talent in both stylists and colorists, the product development process, when to turn down a client, and much more. Here's the latest. Here's Rita Hazan. Hi, Rita. How are you? I'm good. Hi, how are you? Good. Rita, um, it's been a while since I've talked to you. Um, I was just saying that my hair is dark now and you're going to love this story. So I was on a vacation in Greece and I decided to um, put sun in, in my hair. I'm, I've always like put sun in, in my hair at some point in my life, but I went a little crazy with it. And I was on, we were, we basically chartered a catamaran. And so we were living on this catamaran for like seven days and every day my hair was up and every day I would spray a little into my hair. It damaged my hair so badly. By the end of the seven days, it had layered into my hair, you know, and you're, you're kind of not taking a proper shower on a boat like that. So um, I actually had to stop coloring my hair for a while. So oh, my God. You know what? That's just a lot of acid eating at your hair. It's not the best thing to do. Oh, boy. I know. I was like, I, I have to tell Rita this story. Wow. So So then now you're all like natural with like light tips. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get back to um, blonder color, but I thought you'd appreciate that story. Totally. I think everybody wants to get back to a blonder color. 
Yep. We're going to get into that too later on in the podcast. So tell me, Rita, were you creative as a child? Did you mix and make even then? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't That's a good question. I don't know. I think I was always like, I think I was always like that. Yeah, I think so. I just enjoyed, I wasn't really good in school. I'll tell you that. I wasn't like the best student, but right. I liked what I liked to do. I did very well. And I did like to do hair. So I would do like my hair, my friend's hair, my grandma's hair, all of her friend's hair. How old were you at that time, at that point when you were doing God, that? a teenager, early teens, like 15, 16, 17. So tell the story of how you got your actual start in the hair industry. Well, I, when I was in my last year of high school, we had like college day and I was like, I'm not going to college. I know that. So I had to like really think what I was good at. And I'm like, oh my God, I could totally do hair. That's what I want to do. So I went home and told my mom, she's like, not happening. So I had to work on her and I had to do all my research myself. And I found a school called Wilfred Beauty Academy. Oh my gosh. I forgot about Wilfred Beauty Academy. I know I had my, so um, I went and I like did all my research and I went to my mom and I was like, listen, this is what I want to do. And she was like, no, no, no. And I'm like, okay, this is what I have. I'm going to do this. But I needed her because I didn't have, I wasn't legal yet. It was like 17. So yeah. I only convinced her to take me to beauty school, went to beauty school. And at that point I knew I wanted to work for Orbe because he was like in New York and he was, you know, um, celebrity hairstylist working with, and I just loved his work. It was like, so you really just found like new pinpointed him and said, this is the person I want to work with. Yes, because, wow. you know, if you if you followed magazines and watched fashion and that kind of thing, then you knew that he I liked his aesthetic. Well, what was that? What, I, how did you perceive his aesthetic at the time? It was like it's he has an edge to him that I've never really seen anybody else have. It was like a little bit of a Latin edge to it. So it's like very glamorous, high glamour, but with like. I don't know if this is okay to say, but like it had almost like a fucked up sort of look to it too. It wasn't just clean and proper. Right, like a, a, decon- a deconstructed look to it. With a little edge to it and like some heat and, you know, it just had like, it was the most beautiful work I've ever seen. So I went in there and I was like, I want, and I'm not leaving here until I get a job. And I interviewed with Brad Johns and I don't know what I said in that interview, but he hired me on the spot and I worked there for like 10 years. And after 10 years, I just had a conversation with Orbe really nicely. And I said, you know, you've got, you, you've given me a whole career. You know, he, I worked with Jennifer Lopez from him and Mariah Carey. So, and I was working with a lot of celebrities and I said, you know, it's just natural for me to natural progression to want to like open my own salon. And he was very happy for me and we always stayed in touch and we were always on good terms. But I think he was, you know, in this industry, usually you kind of like, you know, aren't, you go behind the person's back and, you know, I didn't want to behave that way. Yes. I just thought I owed my whole career to him and I appreciated him just being like, you know, giving me an opportunity that I just wanted to be like, you know, uh, on up and up. And I was happy I did it that way because he was very happy for me when I opened my salon and, 
you know, when he started his product line, I was, I called him right away, said, I want to be the first salon to carry it. And I was, and um, he came and did a class here. It was really cool. So we always stayed in touch. What do you recall most about working under him, under Oribe? What are your fondest or your most memorable memories? Well, he worked me very, very hard, I have to say. Um, (laughs) He would come in about 5 or 7 p.m. and hand me like this huge bag of um, extensions and give me one sample and say, I need this by the morning. So I'd be there up all night coloring hair for hours and hours and hours. And by the way, wow. like didn't pay me anything extra. It was just like, you know, something to do. Mm-hmm. Never, I never complained about it. And it taught me a lot of, um, it taught me how to manipulate color to get to what I want to do, because I had to sit there and, you know, hair extensions aren't the same as human hair. They're treated with different things and some are more sensitive and some, some were from the sixties that had like metallic dyes on it. So it really just taught me how to manipulate hair color to get to what I want. So that's why I think I was so. Yeah. All those hours of having to play with all this hair and work with it. Right. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yes. I mean, I had extensions once and they turned pink when I had them colored, like extensions are treated with all sorts of things. Right. So bad. Yeah. It has, yeah, they they have to be because otherwise it'll just be like, you know, it won't do what you want it to do. Right. Right. Is there a technique or way about the way that Orbe worked something that you recognize as sort of pro back then that you've adopted for yourself now? Yes, he was very generous, always very generous. Doesn't in matter. What way? In in he if he saw you and you needed your hair done and you couldn't afford it, he didn't care. He's like, just come in and I'll do it for you. You know, it was always it was about making everybody feel beautiful no matter what like it wasn't about the money, you know, and it was about his passion and he wanted everyone to look great and feel great. Mm. And um, I always respected that about him. And he always would send me people. He's like, you know, she doesn't have any money. Do you care? I'm like, no, I don't care. Is You know, I'm with you. I appreciated that because it, you very rarely meet a lot of people who aren't like, well, I'm, you know, I don't get paid enough. Right. 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 So that was never his, um, that was never his like theory. And also, he was very humble. You know, when we left a job, he was like, Oh, I hope that came out good. Or, you know, what you think interesting, like a master wouldn't say, right. Like, right. You know, and I think everybody walks out of a job and says, um, just kind of like obsesses over every part of it, but doesn't really say it out loud. But he, you know, he would always say, Oh, I hope that came out as good. I hope that reads well on TV or, you know, it was very interesting because I would be like, oh, my God, I'm just starting out in my career. And I'm like listening to him saying, oh, my God, if he feels this way, then I right. should definitely not, you know, be that hard on myself because that's probably things I was thinking about. Too. Right. It probably put a lot of the people that were working around him at ease on in some way, would you say? Yes, yes. And he was very much pro people that worked for him. He would be like, you know, if a client wasn't ha- or difficult or, you know, he would he would always side with his staff, which mm-hmm. I always admired about him. 
Yeah, I actually want to ask you about clients um, coming up. But these days, Rita, when do you think you get to be most creative? Um, like right now in COVID? No, I don't know about COVID or just like these days. You're, yeah, your career has evolved. Um, and how are you creating? You, you, you work on a lot of different things. You've got a product line. But how, how in your day-to-day these days do you get to be most creative? Well, I'm very lucky because like... I have my salon, so there I am a boss, but I'm also a hair colorist. I'm coloring hair every day. I travel and work with celebrities. So I'm, you know, that's also another, I call that another job. And then I have the hair products that are completely different business altogether. So that's like another job. So I think that, you know, I'm not stagnant working just on hair or just owning a salon. I have like a lot of different hats that I wear that help me jump into from gear to gear. And my mind is always has to be ahead of myself. So I'm always like taking some inf- like inspiration and information from the salon to the products, from the products to the salon. So um, I think from, I think at that point, like my, I always stay, um, creative and it helps me not feel like in a slump. Mm. You were talking about traveling, um, to do hair, um, for clients that are in the entertainment industry. I always wondered how a colorist packs for doing hair on location in that way and doing color on location in that way. Is there a specific way that you have to pack for jobs like that? Like, how do you keep everything from spilling and not organize? I mean, seems like a big endeavor, A. And B, where's the craziest place that you had to travel to for a client? Okay, so to answer your question, the first part of that is when I was um, assisting Brad Johns, um, he didn't really like to travel because it was very difficult to, what do you bring? You know, yes. it was all this like, you know, I don't want to travel and bring all the, I don't know, you know, it was just too, too much of a hassle. So nobody was really doing it at the, at, you know, <clears throat> when I was like starting in my career and I never thought that that was a problem. Like, I'll just bring everything with me, Yeah, you know, That's just, good. you know, let's, let's do this. So I would bring every kind of color and we had made these um, like clear uh, pl- pa- plastic pouches so it would help me organize all the color so I can pack it and it, you know, and then I tape everything. I bring like three, four luggages sometimes depends on the job I'm doing. Wow. So I have like a walking salon just in case I need this, you know, somebody may change their mind, yep. but I never, I never, it was never a big deal for me. I'd like to try. I actually like traveling. Yes. So that, you know, doing it in the bathroom is not, um, is, it isn't a problem for me at all. You know, we figure it out. Um, sometimes we would do hair in the, in the music studio while they were recording at night, which I don't mind. I I like working at night. I'm a night person. So usually I I was working, I worked a lot in the beginning of my career with like a music artist, like Jennifer Lopez. So they like to work at night and I didn't mind that at all. I mean, I feel like I've gone to um, Japan to work with Madonna. That was like probably the furthest that I've gone mm-hmm. to travel. But um, <clears throat> I, I'll go wherever you need me. I'll be there. I enjoy yeah. it. 
Yeah. You're truly known for working on many of the world's biggest and most beautiful stars. You've just named them. Um, and the people that have the most beautiful, either, either the most beautiful or the most noteworthy hair color, uh, Jessica Simpson, like you, uh, Jennifer Lopez, like you said, Beyonce, Madonna, yeah. Can you explain the evolution for how you came to work on so many people in the entertainment street in entertainment industry and how you've sustained that because it was through Brad Johns, correct? That well, you no, it was no. from Orbe because when I worked, oh, Brad Johns is a colorist. So I was his assistant for like five or six years. Yes. Then I got my promotion and worked for Orbe. And he, um, one, of his, one of his hairstylists, Roque, was working with Mariah. Mariah Carey wanted a new image. And he said, you know, you have to meet this girl, Rita. She's really good at making brunettes blonde without brassiness. And so she sent a friend of hers, Tracy, to try me because her hair was like, her, her, she went in for something and got like, she had brown hair and her hair was like orange. It wasn't even brass, it was orange. Wow. And um, so I fixed Tracy's hair and then I started working with Mariah and then Jennifer was coming up on the, in her career and Orbe was working with her and he's like, you have to change her hair. It's so dark and boring. We have to like lighten it up and give her like, make it like honey-ish. I said, I'm, I'm all in for that. So I think once those two women and then Jessica came, you know, it was just like um, one person referred another person referred another person. And it, it ended up to be like, if you want to change your image and you want to look, if you're a brunette and you want to be blonde, call Rita. So it just kind of like, it was word of mouth at that point. And yeah. also like, um, like let's say Beyonce wanted to be blonde and nobody could ever get her hair blonde, the color that she wanted. Right. So, you know, it's like, if you want to be Rita blonde, then you have to call Rita. Right. Right. And also, I'm also known to have to make sure hair is healthy too. So, you know, I won't, your hair won't break. Your hair will be in good shape. It's yeah, important for me to for you to have the color that you want, but for also your hair to be healthy and shiny. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I one of my questions to you is was going to be how how do you believe that you're you've been you you're daring in your career, and you've kind of just said it. It's like you you were willing to work, you know, to really transform the hair color of some pretty well known people. I mean that that seems daring and pretty risky in and of itself, but you had the confidence to do it. Well, you know, I just, I see the, I see everybody the same, to be honest. Like if you're Jennifer Lopez, Beyonce, or just like Stacy in my chair, you know, <laughs> every, we all want the same thing at the end of the day. We want to look good. We want to feel good. And we want our hair to be like healthy. And, you know, I think that, yes, these women, the only difference really is between doing, um, like celebrity hair color and everyday hair color. And I don't even know if that makes, if it's true for these days, is that they're on stage. Yes, that's what I mean. They they're, have they're like visible, lighting. Highly, yeah. It's the lighting, it's the, you know, their wardrobe, their, what, what their um, image is all about. It's like a lot of different things that come, like Beyonce, when she performs, she performs, she whips that hair all over the place. So every stranger, every strand of color has to lay in the right place every time she, you know, so I watch all of these things and make sure that they all work as, um, 
as they as they need it to work. For you, what's the most important thing when working on a celebrity client? I think that that the hair works for them, that mm -hmm. the, it looks good in their lighting, that they need it to look good, you know, like on stage, or if it's um, if it's video or if it's you know editorial, everything is is reads differently and it needs to also look good in real life can't just look good for stage right it has to look good for real life so there and and for those things it needs to be dramatic but dramatic doesn't mean like um you know not great in real life so i think Perfect. that is the um that's a balance right. that I it has to work in real life as well as on the stage it can't Correct. be yeah. crazy mess or just too out yeah um, can you name the top three glamorous moments of your career? Hmm. It's a good question. Um, I would say the top three would be, so that's a difficult one. Or top but, one or two or what or comes to mind. Glamorous meaning what? Um, just kind of a pinch me moment. Just a, you know, uh, just a really okay. interesting. Well, I think Doing yeah. all these women's hair color for me is like a big deal because it was women, ethnic women or women with, with dark hair, never thought that they can be blonde without being brassy. That's number one. And number two, and also now that there are other people who see it and that do, you know, can have, can also that learned they had to work the color. That's amazing too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Being a woman, doing a job of, you know, where it was dominated by men in the um, early, like 90s, 2000s, when I was coming up, I was basically the only woman that had a colorist that had my own salon. So, you know, that for me was, you know, a huge moment. We're going to talk. Mm -hmm. Creating the root concealer, you know, that for me, oh. I think is the biggest. Yeah the biggest like joy for me because it was a problem that was out there for so many years and all these big companies wouldn't acknowledge it or didn't even know it, it was a problem until I created the root concealer. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, these big companies are copying it, knocking it off, calling it their, um, you know, calling it their um, product and taking credit for it where, you know, I was the one who created it and they just knocked it off. But when I go into these stores and I see a complete like aisle just for root concealer, I'm like, wow, I did this. You I did that. Yeah, yeah, I did this, you know, so it's really it's that's, I think, for me, a huge moment because, you know, you can do a lot of different colors. But how many people can say they invented a hair product that you know, a hair category, a hair, right. yeah. a hair product category. Exactly. So, so that is yeah. kind of the biggest achievement. I, I, I guess one of your, if not the biggest achievement that you think you've had to date, what is the biggest challenge that you've had to deal with in your career as a whole? Um, I would say that, you know, big companies knocking me off and taking heartbreaking, credit isn't it? Yeah, it is like L'Oreal not only stole my, um, my idea, but they also like claim look for the, you know, the teal packaging. And I'm like, that's so not cool. Because if you look at history, my packaging was teal, you know, just because they're big companies, they think they could get away with it, which I don't think is really cool. You know and what, Rita, makes... too? It's such a unique color. It's like you rip that off. You know what I mean? Like that's I not know. a common color. It's not I a common know. color. 
And like, um, you know, they're so, they have so much money. It's, it's impossible to like, you know, go after them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I just believe in karma. And I think that everybody, you know, the right thing will happen in the right time. I'm with you there. I get it. Do you go through phases in terms of what hair color you're loving or do you work with so many different hair colors all the time that you kind of always sort of love everything? Um, the truth is I love blondes and brunettes. I'm not a big redhead fan. So I think it, I go in and out of redhead because there's mm -hmm. only a certain redhead that I like. Mm -hmm. And that's more of like a natural red, like more auburn or coppery. I love that. But I'm more of like a blonde or brunette girl. Mm -hmm. So I think I always stay in that lane. More do, you get a lot, do you get a lot of requests for red hair, Rita? Or No, because if I do, no, I don't think I'm known for red hair. So I don't no. think people will come to me for that. And if they do, I'll probably send them to somebody who I think is better at it. Yeah. Your salon in New York City is uptown on, on 56th Street. Yeah. Um, but with a downtown vibe, as you say. How so? It's just more relaxed. It's not uptight. We have completely different age ranges, you know, from like young kids to like their grandmas coming in and older women, more mature women. I love um, that about And you. women, you know, there's movie stars and rock and roll stars, you know what I mean? And TV anchors and, you know, there's a lot, it's a, it's an eclectic group of clients that we have here that, you know, it's great people watching. I say, sometimes I just stand back and I'm like, this is amazing. You know, this is really incredible just to watch all these people. Speaking of which, you just gave me an idea. Like, has anyone ever come to you about doing a reality show out of the salon? Yes. I, I refuse that because I just think like good TV is drama, right? I mean, everybody wants to see drama and that's really not what I'm about in my salon. I do not want drama. I don't want any of that next to me. <laughs> I don't, I'm not care. I don't care to be famous or whatever. I just want to do good work. And I want people around me to like be happy in their place of business and, you know, love where they work. And I don't want drama. And I know that TV ratings is drama. It's not good TV unless people are fighting. And I just don't want that energy. You know, yeah. I just don't like it. So I never really, I always say no to that. Unless there's a positive spin on something and it, they're not looking for drama then I'll, I'm interested and there's a lot to, to do, but not, not to, for drama. I'm not into that. Has that been offered to you more than once? How many times have, have you gotten that? Request? A few times. A I few bet. times. Yeah. Wow. Um, you've had the salon for many years now. How many years has it been? 15. It's uh, congratulations. And so you've seen a lot of employees come and go. What's the biggest thing you learned being a boss? Um, that people come and go yeah. <laughs> and not to take it personally, you know, you know, I, I, I like to train, I like to promote from within. So if I train people, I like for them to be successful and to grow with the company and not leave, but you know, some people come and go and, and you just have to like go with it, you know? Is there a way that you can tell if a colorist or a stylist has talent? What do you look for? Yes, there is a way. Um, it's just like, first of all, it's drive because this is not an easy business. People aren't just going to come and sit in your chair. You have to like want to learn. You have to want to like do the extra. Like when I was an assistant or when I was coming up, Orbe would come in and give me these 
bags of color, which I didn't know one day would be helpful to me. Also, you know, they gave me a lot of responsibility and I was a young girl. I would hire people, I would fire people, I would make the color order, uh, I would order the towel. So when it was time for me to start my business, all these things that I never got paid for. And by the way, I never even thought that I should ask to get paid for any of that. Right. Ended up to be in my benefit because I knew who to call to, you know, um, to, to deliver towels and to launder towels and where, what companies sell what products and, you know, how to do payroll and how to hire people. So I was, they did me a big favor by giving me responsibility, even though I never was, um, I never got financially compensated, compensated. Yeah. I, I got a lot of knowledge. So I think people who go above and beyond and want to learn, um, I'll teach you, but you know, you have to want it from your soul. You know, you have to really want to do it. You have to rise to the occasion. 100%. What, what's the biggest mistake that people who are new to the industry make? Do you think um, I, that they want to work with celebrities right away? You know, <laughs> it takes years and years and years to like, this is a craft that you have to really um, perfect. You know, you really have to know what you're doing because color is a chemical. And I think a lot of people forget about that. You know, very true. Very it true. is a chemical and you can, it could go bad really fast, you know, and what seems to be an easy um, job or easy client could be, you know, can go in a very bad way. So you have to really know and be able to, to, to um, see whatever is going to happen before it happens, you know, so you can go with it, you know? So I think, I don't know if I'm explaining this right, but it's a chemical and you have to know how to work the chemical. So right. you, really you have, to, have be, to be trained well. You have to be very comfortable before attempting those. Like we said, you said this a little earlier, those high profile people um, that are on, you know, large you know, stages with their hair color, right? Is there ever a reason to turn down a client at a salon? A hundred percent. Yes. I mean, if-, if When does that happen? If a person's unrealistic, if a person is rude, very rude, and there are rude people, and you know that they're never going to be happy, I tell my people all the time, like that work for me, if you have it, that feeling, don't do it. Don't just say, you know what, you'll be better suited in a, another salon. I'm sorry, this didn't work out or go see somebody else. You know, um, I think that it's more important, like, you know, if a person's going to give you, it's not worth your time or your money right. or your money or the money, you know? So you should enjoy your work and you should have a good clientele. If a person's mean and rude, they don't belong in my salon. I think it's a good point though, about people who are, uh, you know, the, the client, that's the person that's never going to be happy. I mean, that's just like, a waste of, uh, can be a very big waste of time, right? And just not worth it, I would think. You know, there well, are- It's not personal, you know? Sometimes they're just not happy with them themselves and it has nothing to do with right. their hair color at all right. or their haircut. They're just in a bad way and they don't know how to, to deal with it. So they just lash out at people. We're going to be doing a story with this on you, especially because it's become more of an issue for people lately. But what is the biggest thing to know about doing your own hair color at home? I feel like there are some people who are proficient at it. And then most that just try to take a stab at it. 
it's a multi-billion dollar industry. So there are a lot of people who know what they're doing, you know? So um, I think that if you're a salon person and you don't know how to do it, do, do um, pick colors that are easy to do, you know? No, but I'm saying Rita, like people who are trying to color their hair at home. Um, what do people, you know, it's, it's becoming a thing now, right? People are trying to kind of touch up roots or do, I mean, you, you have the perfect product for this, but what should people know about like ordering a box of color and doing their hair at home? Right. Okay. So be careful because it is chemical, you know, you want to pick a color that is very natural looking, you know, don't, don't try to go from Brown to blonde at home. That's wait for, for your hairdresser, a colorist to do that. If you want to just cover your gray, find something that's closest to your color. You know, it's always going to be trial and error. So it's always better to go one shade lighter than too dark is what that's I would a, say. That's a good rule of thumb. Your line of products is quite revolutionary. What are you most proud of um, in the product line? Is it the fact that you created this whole category with the root concealer or is there anything else that you have experienced in building that line that you're proud of? I'm super proud of the root concealer and building that whole um, uh, category, but also like my, my weekly remedy is a conditioning treatment that there is nothing compatible to it on the market still, because I, what I do is this, with my hair care line is the same thing I do with my hair color. I take in the formulas or let's say the ingredients and I manipulate it to do what I want it to do. So for example, hair color to get it to be like um, for Beyonce, her color, I'll use, you know, colors that wouldn't make sense to the average person, mix them all together and it works for me. So I do the same thing with my product line. For example, the weekly remedy, it's, um, it's, it's all conditioner and I just manipulated the pH balance of the conditioner. So the first, it's just two step and it's, it works immediate. The first step has a high pH balance. So it opens, lifts the cuticle up a little bit, infuses the amazing ingredients in it. Um, jojoba oil, meringue seed oil, rice proteins. And then the second um, step has a lower pH. So it closes, the seals the cuticle and locks those ingredients in. So it works from the inside out. And this is like me using technology and natural ingredients to create like the perfect storm for a great conditioner that works um, instantaneously. So I'm proud of those moments that I get to like create something that doesn't exist and that really works because I feel like for me, you know, um, I want my pro I want to be known most for products that work. They do what they say and they work and it's no BS, you know? Right. Um, how did Root Concealer come about? What made you decide to create that product? Was there, a, was there something that happened? Was there a client that you were working with? How did you get that genius idea? Well, it was very, it's, a, it's an interesting story because when I, you know, this was like maybe years ago and people kept saying, you know, you work with Jennifer Lopez and Mariah Carey and, uh, all these celebrities, you should have a product line. And I always said, the world doesn't need another shampoo. Unless I can think of something amazing, I'm not doing it. You know, I don't need a line. The world really doesn't need another shampoo. So um, wherever I traveled all over the world, 
people would ask me, well, I have gray, I have to do it every two weeks. What could I do? What could I do? And I'm like, there's no, there's no product out there. There was like some stick that was like a wax, <laughs> you know, that was, you know, um, it was a wax that you had to like really rub on your hair it was awful. And um, there were really no products out there. So I said, you know, what? I'm going to figure this out myself. And it took me about four years to create the root concealer because at first, I, I went to the um, like Home Depot. I went to I, I went to every weird location to try to I even went to like this the um, uh, hair show in, in Italy, Cosmoprof, because there is like you have global brands there. So I'm like, maybe I'll get some inspiration from there. What were you looking for at Home Depot? I love that. Just different um, solutions like. No, not even just different, different, um, different ways, like, um, uh, types of products. Yeah. J j d um, different. Why am I, I cannot even think of the word, um, just different delivery systems. Sorry. That's yeah. what I wanted to say. Different yeah. delivery systems of like how they take professional items and make them safe for the home. So I just wanted to see what was out there. And one day I just woke up and I'm like a spray. It's the easiest thing to do. Just spray and go. And it took me like eight months to find a company that would help me create this product because it's hard to envision and nobody wants to put the time and effort into it, into a product that they don't know would perform correctly or that anything would come out of it, to be honest, because it was like, you know, a whole new product. So it took me a long time to find anybody to help me create it. And we finally did. did. And the um, brown color took me like almost a year. I bet. It's a tough, yeah. Because I like, I didn't want it to be brassy. I didn't want it to be ashy. It needed to be. So all the colors are very specific and neutral. So it will blend with anybody's hair. Wow. Also, you know, it was important for me that it doesn't come all over your face, you know, like um, just drip all over your face when you sweat or if you're working out or if you're going swimming. Like these are things that I would spray it on to my mom's hair if it was raining. If it was raining and I would say, you know, go out there and see if you come back with like brown. <coughs> excuse me. All over your hair then, you know, if you come out and there's like brown dripping all over your face, then we're not ready yet. So we went through a lot of trial and R&D on that one. You know, just, you know, we just saw Rudy Giuliani with like, you know, I think yeah. what I think was a, um, a root concealer that dripped all over his face. And that's exactly what I never wanted to happen with yeah. my products. Well, because that can happen very easily to somebody. I mean, it just get, you get your hair wet or you know, it's, it's definitely something you want to avoid, right? Correct. But the thing was, I did a lot of um, R&D so that to make sure that never happens to anybody. So I know a lot of my clients um, use it on stage like men. And, you know, when they're performing under those hot lights and they won't use anything else because they know 100% that they could sweat and use a towel and that thing is not coming off until they shampoo it out. So that's really Amazing. cool. It's amazing. Uh, how did you go about sourcing who to, whom to work with for your line? Did you? I just like spoke to uh, every anybody that would listen to me. You know, I really did. I just asked a, a lot of people. And I think, you know, uh, 
the the funny thing is is that you just when you have an idea or something that you want to do if you ask the right people you start you have to start somewhere you know you can't just think you're going to go from zero to a hundred and you're going to find the perfect, you know, people to work with. I went through hell and back and worked with terrible people with a lot of time and money. And by the way, I don't have any investors in my salon or in my product line. So this is all my money. And, um, you know, I wasted a lot of money just by not meeting um, the goals that I wanted. And if I worked on something for a year and I didn't like it, I didn't do it. You know, it wasn't for me, the, money isn't the bottom line. The bottom line is a good product. If, is it a good product? Then let's do it. Is it not a good product? Forget it. I don't want it. Yeah. Um, what has been the biggest thing to tackle? Was it that brown colored root concealer or has there been something else in the line that was sort of the biggest thing to overcome or tackle? I think the root con- the brown root concealer would be like the toughest. Do you enjoy the product development process? I do. I do. Do you have anything new in the works? Um, I do have some very interesting things in the pipeline coming up, hopefully for 2021. I can't wait. Assuming, what are your best-selling products? I'm assuming it, would it be root concealer and touch-up stick? What are the best? Definitely. Yep. Yep. Um, And do you know what colors sell out the quickest? Is there, is there Browns. The browns, yeah. Light brown and dark brown. What do you think people need to know about shampooing and conditioning and heat styling? Is there something that people aren't aware of that you wish people knew? Um, First of all, you have to shampoo your hair. I know there's this big like ongoing joke about using dry shampoo. It's a very unhealthy way of living for many reasons. Number one, it's um, it can clog your pores. And then when your pores are clogged on your scalp, your hair won't grow and it'll thin out. And that is a fact. The second thing is that it smells. It smells. You can only mask so much with like the scent of the of the um, dry shampoo that your hair just smells. And you have to wash your hair because you need to clean it from you know just the buildup from using so many products. I also think that um, you have to use shampoo and conditioner for color treated hair. There are different ingredients that I would put in my shampoo that a person that isn't, um, you know, a colorist or, or gearing for color tre- treated hair will do, will put in their ingredient list. Mm-hmm. I also think for me, like we have a complex that we put in all of our products. All my products have Heat, heat protection, color protection, uh, UV protection, um, uh, um, and uh, is, uh, sorry, I'm just like tripping up here. Um, just UV protection, heat protection, and color protection. Do you think people can heat style their hair as often as they want if they're using those kinds of products? I think that before you... Um, style your hair anytime you have to use a product put something in your hair anything in your hair and don't put like hot hot tools on wet hair because it just will sizzle your hair but if you use a product and then blow dry your hair and then flat iron or curl your hair the heat the um, tool will burn the the product before it'll burn your hair right You built your brand and your salon with such great stability, Rita, and also momentum over the course of years. How do you think you've managed to do that? 
Um, I work hard. I'm here all the time. You know, I just had a baby and I came back to work in two months, you know. So, you know, I just work hard and I'm honest and I have passion for what I do. And I think people that know me know that, you know, I just tell it like it is. If if something is, if you want to be blonde and it's not the right thing for you, I'll say it's not the right thing for you. So I think it's just people, people will um, take my advice and, you know, know that I always have good intentions. As a creative, how do you consider yourself business-minded too? I mean, you must have a knack and a grasp for how to take a skill and turn it into a profitable business. Do you see yourself as business-minded or did you have to learn to become business-minded? I always worked even when I was a young girl. So I think business is just in my, in my blood. You know, I just had to learn how, what this business how to run this business, you know, how to do payroll, you know, it's a balance that you need to learn on your own. Like I need to know how to do everything in my business. So if somebody's not here, I can jump in and take over. So I'm able to do anything, including cleaning. That's right. I don't mind cleaning the bathroom. I'll, I'll you know, I'll clean any room. I'll do anything. I don't have a problem with shampooing people. You know, it's, you'll come into the salon and you'll see like the owner doing a shampoo. I don't mind doing that. That's, that is like, it's, it's part of my job. You know, everything is part of my job. I'm not too good to do anything. That's a really, it's a good point that just knowing how to do every little sort of facet of everything is a must, right? What does success mean to you today? Has, has the, has your idea of success you've, achieve great success has your idea of success evolved Uh, I think so I think so I think that my idea of success is going home happy and knowing that I did everything I could that day to make everybody happy and to run a good business that is you know working the right way I think that's my idea of a successful day no hiccups, no bumps, nothing bad happening, no drama. We go home. Everybody's happy. And you mentioned that you're a new mother. Congratulations. I could probably talk to you about that for ages. <laughs> <laughs> Does your work feel more rewarding to you now that you have the balance of having a child? Having a child must bring some ba- like some balance to your life. Does your work feel more rewarding now that you have a child in your life? Um, I don't know. I think that it all, it was, I think, I don't know. I I don't know. I think that it all feels good at once. You know, I don't know if it's more or less like before my business was my baby. So I put all my time into my business and now I just have to share my time with both my babies, you know, my baby, my real baby at home and my babies at work. So I feel like I just have to split my energy and give it my all to both, which I do every day. And I don't, I don't know, everybody always talks about this word balance. Balance mm. doesn't, it means something different to me than it does to you. you right. know, I don't know if, if there's such a thing of balance or, you know, even with COVID when we had time off, we, I didn't really have time off. <clears throat> I came in to work and, you know, did my color kits and, pregnant and all, you know, I just think that my balance is being busy. I like being busy. I like the hustle of it. I like the adrenaline that I get from like doing 
um, a corrective color or a new client that wants something that, you know, like for example, Katy Perry years ago came in and had black hair that she dyed for years and years and years. And she wanted to have pink hair that day. And we sat there overnight and colored her hair and made it, made sure our hair was healthy. And we got to the point we, where we wanted to go. So like things like that get me excited and happy when my day is over that I could accomplish something that is almost impossible, but we made it possible. Yeah. All right, Rita, we're going to finish with our lightning round. I have okay. some questions for you. You said that you love to travel. I know that you love to travel. Uh, favorite place to travel? Um, Caribbean. Do you have a spot in the Caribbean that you love? Anguilla. What's your favorite product for hair besides your own? Uh, Orbe Rock Hard Gel. Favorite restaurant? Oh, that's a tough one because I haven't been out in a long time. My favorite yeah. restaurant, I would have to say, would be Rosie's on the Lower East Side. Favorite brand for shoes? Um... Question. What do you wear when you work? What kind of a shoe do you wear? Oh, when I work, I wear sneakers, like platform sneakers. By so, who? Uh, R13 did a, a, a collab with Converse. Love that. But for my heels, I would say Gucci. Mm. What is a go-to brand for your home? What, what, where are you shopping for items for your home? Um, good question for that. Items for my home. Or, or kitchen. Um, I don't really buy a lot of stuff in my home. Is that you horrible? Don't. No, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I get it. Um, what fragrance do you wear, Rita? Carnal Flower by Frederick Moll. And last question, what are you binge watching? Oh, The Undoing? Oh yeah. Did you see the final episode? I did not see that. I missed it yesterday. I'm so mad at myself. Get on it. I don't know. I, I, I watch it tonight. I, I felt it's funny because the last person we, I podcasted with uh, the artist, Ashley Longshore said she was watching the undoing too. Um, I watched it and I, well, I'm going to have to ask you what you think. Cause I felt like the ending, well, I don't want to say anything. Okay. I felt like the ending was a little, was anticlimactic, but you'll, you'll oh, see. Uh, that happens a lot. I think in all of these shows. Rita, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. This was fun. I appreciate it. Bye. Bye.